ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's Debating Society podcast. With the hope of a coronavirus vaccine on the horizon, today we ask the question, should it be compulsory for children in the UK to get the important vaccinations? We hope you enjoyed today's debate. Now, speaking for the proposition, i.e. the vaccinations should be compulsory, we have James and Joshua. And speaking for the opposition, i.e. saying that vaccinations should not be compulsory, we have Jonty and myself, Angelina. Now, just a quick disclaimer before we really get crackalacking to say that what our debaters go on to say is not necessarily what they themselves believe. The four of them very kindly agreed to debate, and only then, after that point, were they randomly allocated a side. They don't necessarily all agree with what they're saying, but are saying it in the sake of a good, interesting, two-sided debate. Brilliant. So with that said, let's get cracking. To welcome our first speaker for the proposition, please welcome James. Vaccine is a biological preparation that provides active acquired immunity for a particular infectious disease. Now, to break that down, it is essentially the most important thing we can do to keep ourselves and our loved ones um, safe against ill health and possibly even death. The NHS estimates that vaccines prevent up to three million deaths worldwide each year. Three million deaths. That is the whole population of the United States, the world's third largest country, each and every year. However, they are still optional and recently on the decline. With the amount of lives possibly lost without people vaccinated, you have to ask yourself why they are not compulsory. Now, uh, this point was going to be if I was a second speaker, but I want to respond to some of the points the opposition may make. Now, um, I don't know if anyone would be making this point, but you know, we are saying that all children should have them. Um, and I don't know if they were going to put the point forward that some people cannot have them. So we're not saying that every single child needs them, uh, but those who can should have vaccinations. The herd immunity I'm sure the opposition will speak about is only going to work with 95% of the population vaccinated. So those who cannot due to underlying health conditions will be exempt, but only if the rest of the population can pick up the shortfall, which it currently is not doing. In recent years, we have seen MMR, which is measles, mumps and rubella, cases nearly double in the UK. Now I'm gonna give you some figures here and I want you to keep them, keep them in mind. If 95% of children receive an MMR vaccine, then it's possible to eradicate measles, mumps and rubella. However, if fewer than 90% of children receive this vaccine, then these, uh, then MMR will uh, quickly spread again. So again, 95% herd immunity, 90% reinfection. Now there are two MMR vaccines, uh, MMR1, which is given to you on your first birthday, you know, lucky you. Um, and coverage for this vaccine is currently down at 90.3%. And you get a booster dose at age five, MMR2, which is down at 86.5%. Quick reminder of those figures, 95% herd immunity, 90% will be infection. Due to this, the UK has recently lost its World, world Health Organization measles-free uh, measles status. 
and with a decline in vaccination rates for all 13 diseases covered in child vaccines, compulsory vaccination should be considered uh, very seriously. Now, there are lots of laws which are compulsory, I suppose that's sort of a definition of a law when boiled down to it, which are not contested or questioned. Um, you don't really see anyone protesting the Convention on the Rights of a Child Treaty, and that's because, quite frankly, it's stupid to do so. So I ask, why are vaccines so hotly contested? The only reason I can think of uh, why I can think they're so controversial is because, quite frankly, crackpot conspiracies from disproven scientists claiming they give you autism, something which time and time again has been disproven. Um, but even whilst researching this topic, I've had pop-up banners pushing this information in my face. Um, I've had YouTube ads telling me vaccines contain harmful chemicals such as mercury and are only an excuse to inject you with mind-controlling microchips. These are all things I've had put up in an advert in front of me whilst researching this topic. Um, and although the majority of the population are not gullible enough to fall for this, enough are. Enough to drive down vaccination rates and push at this so-called herd immunity enough to see MMR cases almost double, enough to see the World Health Organization stripping us of our measles free status. Social media has been blamed for spreading these anti-vaccine messages and generating concern among parents, and ministers have called for social media giants to do more to stop the spread of this inaccurate information. But from the experience I've had, this has not been happening. With measles cases steadily rising across Europe, there is a sense that more needs to be done to stop the spread of a disease which can have severe complications or even prove fatal. And this is where compulsory vaccinations come in. Children have to be vaccinated under UK law. Now, the statement have to seems threatening, like we're taking away your right to choose, but it's not. If I put the statement in other contexts, then you'll see it's not as big and scary as it sounds. Children have to go to school. Adults have to do what is in the best interest for their child. And we believe children should have to be vaccinated. Everything listed above is done to protect and aid children, but only two out of three are laws. Now, we all know that vaccines are safe. We know they're there to protect you, your parents, your grandparents from many serious and potentially deadly diseases. We know they're there to protect other people in your community. And I hope we know they don't, control, they don't contain mind-controlling uh, microchips or cause autism. But it seems many do not trust in vaccinations. And as a result of this, we're seeing falling vaccination rates and surges in diseases once on the breach of eradication. We know that vaccines work. We've seen, um, we've seen them eradicate diseases such as smallpox, uh, polio and tetanus that are used to kill or disable millions of people. So I ask you, is it not common sense to make vaccination compulsory, to save the lives of millions and to protect the lives of millions more? This should be a decision everyone's on board with, but they're not. And this is why this house believes that major vaccinations should be compulsory for children in the UK. Thank you. Okie dokie, diddly dokie. Next up, we have the first speaker for the opposition, John T. So 
Both sides to this debate agree that vaccinations are essential, sensible and potentially life-saving. But that doesn't mean that we need the state to compel people to make decisions about their child's health. We should let the people have freedom of choice. The key issue here is who gets to decide about the healthcare children need, the state or parents. There is much evidence that vaccinations prevent childhood diseases. Should public health officials do everything they can to encourage and inform childhood vaccinations? Yes. Do they have the right to force parents to vaccinate their, ch their children? Absolutely not. Compelling people to do many things we know can be counterproductive. We live in a free society and we value highly the freedoms we have. If the state forces parents to vaccinate their children, there will be opposition from some, and those people may have very good reasons to not want a vaccination. We can't just order them without more. We need to encourage and educate them. For example, the state does not tell us we have to cross a road when the traffic light goes red, but we learn that it's a safe thing to do, and the vast majority of people do cross then. Some people race across the road wherever they want, but they are the minority. In this example, people have kept their free choice, but they make the only sensible decision there is, namely to cross at the red light. With the vaccinations, we want people to make the right decision once they know the options, once they have been educated. As I have said, there will be undoubtedly be opposition to compulsory vaccination. We cannot, we cannot ignore people's views. They may be frightened about the risk of ill health from the vaccine, and there is a risk. It might be a small risk, but people are allowed to be concerned. Other people have strongly held religious beliefs and will not want any forced med medical care for their child. Again, why should these people be ignored? Those people, oppose, those people who oppose will suffer. What I mean is their children may become ill. The parents themselves being stamped on by the state will undoubtedly suffer stress and mental health issues. They will need support and health care. The state and that means us, the taxpayer, would have to fund that support. Surely taxes could be better spent on educating those people and encourage them to comply once they are informed and not scared. Society should not be run by fear. I also ask myself, where would state intervention end? For example, would the state be able to tell us we could have no children unless we vaccinated them at birth? If we refused and had babies and gave no vaccine, would we be sent to prison? Who would look after the children then? It is surely a fundamental right that parents are free to care for their children without the state controlling them. We want people to be individuals and independent and neither subjected to nor re neither subjected to nor re reliant upon state control. We should use our resources in education, not enforcement. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much to our first two speakers. Now let's welcome our second speaker for the proposition, uh, Joshua. Okay, so let's start off. Who have we been celebrating this entire time during the coronavirus? NHS. Who, who have we been trying to relieve pressure off? The NHS. So shouldn't we be doing that by enforcing a coronavirus vaccine to stop the NHS from having more coronavirus patients? And also, like there are va no vaccines are compulsory it's just you can't get into school with that vaccine like if anyone has a dog you know that kennel cough isn't compulsory but you can but you can't go to kennels with it so in that way and also i was watching this youtuber called dr mike 
and there's been all these life-saving drugs introduced so people don't want to go to hospital when they have it so they phone him up and ask for these life-saving drugs and he explains they're only good in hospitals but then if they had a vaccine then they wouldn't have been calling that in the first place also relieving pressure so I think that's the big issues which we're having, relieving stress of on the NHS. That's all. Last but definitely not least, we have the second speaker for the opposition, Angelina. Ladies and gentlemen, I do just want to begin by stressing that um, John T and I very much believe that vaccination rates, uh, the falling vaccination rates are a huge issue. Uh, we agree with the WHO saying that they are among the, the top 10 greatest health problems facing us in the current generation. And, and I personally believe that vaccines are the greatest scientific development to have originated uh, within the last few centuries. Um, and now onto the main brunt of my speech after that little, uh, uh, that little note. Um, I have a confession to make. And at first it may seem very much irrelevant to this debate. I am scared of flying. Unfortunately, I haven't yet had a pair of wings magically spurt from my back. So I am talking about planes. It, it, it's stupid, isn't it? Flying is one of the safest modes of transport out there, safer than car or bus or cycling um, or any other transport usually take. But that knowledge and that information doesn't stop me being afraid. Um, if we've flown before then we may have heard that odd person sitting nearby wailing or throwing up during turbulence. If it's a child you can let it slide. But adults who do this, uh, who openly show their fear, are labelled as being hysterical and told to grow up. Now I'm not quite so bad in my fear of flying that I am incapable of getting on a plane. But I do feel very nervous about it each time. So how do I fix this fear? Because it is very frustrating for me and if I let it fester it could have the potential to become very frustrating for my in-flight mates as well. I'll tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't like for the flight attendants to incapacitate me and literally drag me kicking and screaming onto the plane like I'm some sort of criminal. Something done like that Something done so strongly against my wishes could make me very bitter and resentful of the flight industry indeed. What I think does help me though is pee. And I don't mean peeing in the plane seat out of fear, because that's quite disgusting. I, I mean pee, patience, empathy and education. I just made that up. Uh, patience from the flight attendants who seem to know that without me telling them that I'm a nervous flyer. Empathy from my parents who know that I'm nervous, who know that I'm a bit scared and who comfort me. And education. After the flight or before the flight, I will go away by myself and research the topic. Find out how planes work, how planes are built and redesigned to rectify the mistakes that occurred in past disasters. And it is that, ladies and gentlemen, it is P which makes me feel better and have planes. You can probably draw parallels between my analogy and the topic of mandatory vaccinations and I'll go on to other. Jonty and I completely agree that falling vaccination rates are a very real, scary and serious threat, both to individuals and to society as a whole. So this debate is, is about how do we help the NHS? How do we save these millions of lives? How do we get these vaccination rates back up? And the debate is about in the method in which we do this. 
The phrase, uh, make vaccinations compulsory, it has a certain ring to it. And there is no doubt that in the short term, it would increase vaccination rates if parents were threatened with fines or penalties. But like in my analogy, where, where the flight attendants are forcing me onto the plane and making me distrustful of them, making vaccinations compulsory risks alienating the parents who are anti-vaccination. And this risks damaging the patient-doctor relationship. And that, that is the reason why the British Medical Association is against compulsory vaccination and it has been since 2003 at least. The patient-doctor relationship is incredibly important. It is, it is built on openness and trust. But if damaged, it can result in people complying less with their doctor's advice and becoming suspicious of their doctor's diagnosis, even as far as um, avoiding primary care services altogether in extreme cases. So maybe, yeah, you would get the kid vaccinated, but perhaps the parents have become so bitter towards the medical profession and so alienated that they might be less inclined to take their kid um, or their child to the doctors in the future uh, when they needed it for um, more serious reasons. Uh, and compulsory vaccination has other long-term problems too, such as creating a source of public protest and riot. So for example, what happened in Leicester in 1885 after vaccination for smallpox was made mandatory? The end result of that was the Vaccination Act of 1898, and that allowed parents to conscientiously object to vaccines. So vaccines were made compulsory, then they were made not compulsory, and now we're trying to make them compulsory again. How often will this happen? How often will this circle have to occur? And how many times do laws have to be changed and revoked before we realise that the way to increase vaccination rates isn't to alienate parents and make them believe even more strongly in their views? We have to change the underlying ways in which anti-vaxxers think. And to do that, we need to know why they are scared. Vaccinations do sometimes have bad side effects, this is true, but these side effects do not compare to the horrible diseases that vaccinations protect us from. Now, living in today's world with high vaccination rates, parents do not see the children that go blind from measles or those who get cervical cancer caused by HPV. What they see are the sensationalist news articles that, that James saw as well when he was researching, uh, that claim the vaccinations cause all manner of problems from autism to seizures and that triggers an emotional reaction. Emotional reactions are much stronger, much more primal than logical decisions and ultimately parents do not choose that to vaccinate their children because they don't want to take the risk is what they say. And an online study in 2010 found that viewing a website criticizing vaccines for as little as five minutes uh, increased people's perception of risk from vaccinations and decreased the intention to vaccinate. E even one short article against vaccines can change somebody's view. But there are ways to combat it. Often anti-vaxxers who experience a vaccine-preventable disease firsthand change their minds on the topic coincidentally. A small study carried out in the USA found that when 19 students, who were originally against vaccination, all of them, uh, interviewed a victim of a vaccine-preventable disease, 13 changed their minds. And that's a small study, but it is somewhat telling. Uh, and I would actually advocate for an emotive campaign to be established in the UK to show not only the data about vaccines, but also the stories of vac uh, victims of vaccine-preventable diseases to also create that emotional reaction. We need to fight the emotive um, campaign of the Anti-Vaxxer League with our own emotive campaign for pro-vaccinations in order to change people's minds.
basically put, we need to use P. Patience, empathy, and education. Show patience to anti-vaxxers. Let's not call them crackpots like James did or say they're idiots because that alienates them. That makes people bitter and more defensive of their views. Show empathy because at the end of the day, these are people who are just worried about their children and who at the end of the day want what's best for them, not child abuses like some of the media puts out. And education. We need to educate people and we need to show them the harsh realities of what vaccine preventable diseases can do and how badly they can destroy lives. And we need to present this information in an unbiased, impartial and very accessible way. Making vaccines mandatory will change the way people act, but not the way in which they think, which is the root of the problem. It's the thoughts and beliefs that are the stem of all this um, anti-vaxxer uh, fiasco. Um, and it is the thoughts and the beliefs that we must deal with. So this house believes that we should not make vaccinations compulsory. Thank you to Angelina for rounding off today's debate and indeed thank you to all four of our debaters for taking part. And thank you very much to you, our audience, for listening us to, to us today. Um, now I would just like to remind you that we do have a Slido voting page where you can cast your vote for which side you think debated better today. To find the page, just follow the link which should be in your Quake's email and hopefully it'll be straightforward from there. Indeed, uh, please do join us next time when we'll be debating whether Jemima Begum should be allowed back to the UK after her five-year stint in ISIS. Uh, and with that said, we hope you uh, stay safe and take care until the next instalment. Bye-bye.